Digital Learning, hosted by the Digital Learning Coordinators of Wake County Public Schools. You can listen to us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and Google. To access our show notes, visit our website, dlc.wcpss.net. There you'll find contact information for your digital learning coordinator, our monthly newsletter, and other resources. So sit back and enjoy the show. Greetings, my name is Chris Zirkel. I'm a digital learning coordinator for the southern and southeastern areas. My name is Emily Adams, and I am a media specialist at South Lakes Elementary. And my name is Katie Haywood, and I am a digital learning coordinator serving in the western area. So today we have Emily with us at the brand new South Lakes Elementary School. Uh, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about um, her and her specialist team and some of the activities they've been doing with asynchronous instruction, specifically talking about um, choice boards. So Emily, can you tell us a little bit about how has instruction evolved for you guys um, and the other specialists with all of everything going on? Yeah, so I think initially in March when all of this happened, I think we kind of got into just maintenance mode of, you know, how can we provide things for students and kind of get to the end of the year. And then coming into this year with the opportunity for live specials, um, even with it only being 20 minutes, we were excited about being able to provide live content for the students. But when we sat down to kind of look at the schedule and how everything would work with our rotations, it just seemed like putting a choice board in there would make for easier rotations. So we decided that we would be live every day, but the for instance, the grade levels that have five classes on a rotation, or five classes in the grade level, there's only four of us on the specials team, so that fifth day they had choice board. So that was kind of how it evolved into our schedule, just trying to find a way to make live instruction fit with the virtual environment and just kind of fitting it all together for our students. So that's kind of what led us in the direction of offering a choice board as an option. And I'll be honest with you, I've heard of choice boards. I've recently kind of myself done a little bit more looking into them to figure them out, but if there's someone that's not familiar with a, a choice board, can you give a really brief description of what a choice board is or how it works? Yeah, so I think with our example of the choice board, and I'll be happy to share that website, um, ours is a little different in that the sense of the choice is which special you're going to choose. So on the day that they have a choice board, we've uh, embedded a wheel so if they wanted to spin the wheel to pick their choice they could so in our sense a choice board is really the choice of which special activity you would want to choose and then once you choose the special there are a variety of activities on there as well that you can choose from I think another sense if I think more classroom teacher sense of choice board it might look something more like one specific curriculum area and then providing different activities within that curriculum area to students to give some choice but for us it's kind of a choice in what special would you like to participate in today and then once you've chosen that special what activity would you like to complete for I think for each of our disciplines it looks a little bit bit different. I know our art teacher, she pushes out her activities to support the activities that she's doing in her live lessons. So whatever she's been teaching in her live lesson, she's then going to push out an activity that supports that, that they, that they can then practice with. PE looks a little different where it's a lot of videos and activities for the kids to follow along with. And then my activities kind of focus a little more on listening to stories, highlighting some of the books in the library, and then um, some response type activities. So that's kind of the framework of our choice board. 
So what would you say when designing the choice boards, what do you try to keep in mind in regards to the types of content and the activities that are included? So I think, again, because we're specialists, the content comes from kind of different areas for each of us. For me, I can speak from my experience. My content tends to come from ways that I can collaborate with teachers and what areas are they working on in reading and science. And then I think when it comes to creating activities, it's important to think about what they have experience with, because essentially this is going to be an independent activity. And so you want to make sure that the tools that you're using for your activities and um, the resources that you're using are things that the kids are familiar with because I think we've all crashed and burned using something new and you know it takes some time to learn and walk through with the students how to use a new tool so I would say you know not introducing a new tool on choice board and then also those video instructions are you know priceless anytime that you can provide just a little bit of video help or directions just really keeping in mind that it's an independent activity so anything you can do to scaffold and rely on things that they're familiar with I think is going to increase the participation participation in their success when they're using it. And then I think things that are fun for them and engaging. I think if you're using ChoiceBoard in a classroom experience, it may have a little bit more um, weight on as far as a grade goes. Whereas with specials, we don't have quite as much pull in that area. And so attracting them and wanting to getting them to want to participate in our activities, we have to make sure that they're engaging and fun. Because we did, um, we did the analytics for our Google site just to kind of see like who's coming, when they're coming, and it's a lot. They've got a lot on their plate. So just providing things that are fun and engaging for them that, that they'll want to spend their independent time doing. I'm glad you mentioned keeping things familiar for kids. We've talked about before on this podcast, and even as a county, we've sent that message of build that toolbox, you know, build that toolbox of of platforms and things that kids know and can do and build it slowly and don't try to introduce new things and independent activities um, where they'll need more support. So I'm glad you brought that up um, because that's definitely something to keep in mind. What successes have you had using the choice boards with the kids? And I'm actually going to make this one kind of a two-parter. What successes have you had and then are there any changes that you would make? I think success-wise, if we look at it just from the planning perspective and as a team, I think it's worked really well. We created a Google site. The organization of it is really easy. We're a part of all of the students' Google Classroom, so we're able to push out the link for that website really easily. So I think the organization and planning of it has been a success. I think that the activities have evolved as we've been going through these weeks. When we meet in our PLTs, we kind of talk about what's what worked well, what did you get a lot of engagement with. One of the ways, you know, if I include a flip grid, that's a good way for me to see who's engaging. So if you're having some sort of activity for them to engage with, it gives you a feeling for are they interacting with it? What's what are they enjoying? What is successful? I think talking to the students about it. So we've some of them have put things on Google Classroom about the activities that they have enjoyed. So I think our success really has just been getting it up and running, adding to the activities every week and kind of trying to keep it engaging as much as we can. What we've learned is that their time is limited and so we've kind of had to push each other up and support each other when you're feeling a little like is it worth the effort and I hate to, I hate to say that but you know you 
you want to put in time into these lessons, but then you feel a little deflated if you feel like the kids aren't engaging and participating in them. So I think what we've kind of had to just work with each other and really collaborate on what's working well, what do kids seem to be engaged and excited about doing, and then sharing those amongst our team. And I think it'll be interesting when the kids start coming back next week, you know, we'll start to see them a little bit more in person and just having conversations with them, you know, because they might be doing more on the choice board than we even realize, but because we don't get to have just those kind of impromptu conversations with them, sometimes you just don't get that feedback. So I'm looking forward to the kids coming back so we can just chat with them about what they're enjoying and have some of that impromptu conversation that in our 20-minute Google Meet at the end, log off, log off, log off, you don't have a chance to, to always have those conversations. So Hopefully that answered your question. We've had some successes and we're just, we're really learning trying to figure it out. Yeah, I like that you mentioned that you work as a team. And I think that's something that we've mentioned, uh, Walt has mentioned in a podcast we did last week, as far as teachers facing the workload that's ahead of them and teachers creating, instead of us trying to do things independently, working together and collaboratively and divide and conquer is something that's a great approach. I'm glad that you brought that up. And I know that synchronous and asynchronous instruction is something that we've been talking about here for the last few episodes. Looking at choice boards in more of an asynchronous use for students may be kicked off or introduced during a synchronous time, but really the bulk of the work of the choice board, like you said, being independently done asynchronously. How do you think classroom teachers can extrapolate the structures that you're using in your choice boards to be able to use in their own instruction? So I think I'm going to have to give a shout out to the media specialists on this one. I think that your best bet is to collaborate with your media specialist and work together. I think that our knowledge of the resources that are available, our ability to pull together things that can enrich the curriculum, support the curriculum, um, I think that that is a really good route to go to start with your media specialist and talking to them. Um, or if you have a digital learning coordinator that you're comfortable talking to or, you know, a technology person in the building, I think that they have a lot of that knowledge that helps kind of narrow down how to make online learning a little bit more effective. And so when you're doing that choice board and you're planning independent activities, I think not reinventing the wheel. Reach out to the people that have some knowledge there that have had some experience with it. And I think classroom teachers could really benefit from choice board. I think, especially with what's coming up with in-person, at-home cohorts and trying to juggle all of that, if you can provide some time that they have to kind of be in charge of their learning and pick you know, what they're gonna create or how they're gonna get that information, I think that that will be empowering for the students and it will give the teacher a little bit of time to juggle all the things going on in the classroom. But yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to the media specialists. I say for sure, reach out to them. I know a lot of them very well and they are excited and willing to help with something like that. And I'm happy to help too. So you're welcome to reach out to me. Not to get too theoretical, but it's almost like that, that TPAC framework, you know, where you're bringing in um, you know, your media specialists and your tech people with that tech knowledge and the classroom teachers with that content and pedagogy knowledge, you know, bringing all that, that's that true representation. So they can be, so that's a really great example of how all of that comes together for student instruction and learning. So just kind of overall, what is your best piece of advice? Or if you could give one tip to teachers who are considering using choice boards in their classrooms, whether it's a specialist or a classroom teacher, what would you say to them? 
I'd probably say start small and smart start with what you know. So, you know, a choice board I think can sound overwhelming, but if you're only starting with two or three choices for something very simple, it's not as overwhelming. And starting with, you know, if your students are really familiar with Flipgrid, then utilize that tool. And just, I think starting small and starting with what you know, and just not, I know it's so easy to get distracted by all the latest and greatest tools, but don't feel like you've, you've got to go there. I think keeping it simple and meaningful for the students is really what's important and not always using the glitz and glam of the newest and greatest tool. So I'd say keep it simple and start with what you know, what you're comfortable with. Well, thank you, Emily, for, for being with us today and sharing some of your ideas. And I think you said it was okay. We'll link some of your resources and examples on our show notes. So if you want to see how they're doing it and what their choice boards are looking like, be sure to check our show notes for that. And again, thank you for your time and being with us today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. For show notes and resources, visit dlc.wcpss.net. You can listen to our podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts.